That one driven deep right field. Thank you, go. Gone for Morgan Chris. And Vincent Chamberlain. That ball. Going to the wall. Chamberlain the second for this first hit. Mounted second, going to third. With his first hit of the season. So, and the pitch. That one swung deep to left. And that one's gone! Savvy Seaman with a three-run shot. And the Warhawks take the lead. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Podcast on D-Shot with the uh, WIAC basketball season um, getting um, almost with the earlier season getting going um, and very soon. A couple of these. Uh, my first one was is with uh, UW Oshkosh women's basketball coach Brad Fisher. Um, Brad, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. This will be fun. All right. So my first question is, uh, you used to be an SID at Parkside. Um, you're now the head coach of the women's basketball program at Oshkosh. What were those uh, Parkside days like for you? And um, what kind of went into the decision to go into coaching and take the job at Oshkosh? Yeah, I mean, I had coached for five years at Parkside before moving into the admin role. And and honestly, um, and then and five years before that too. So you know, it had been 10 or 11 years. And as an assistant coach, you're, you're kind of grinding it out and you're on the road a lot. And so I just hit a point there where I felt like I was, I was on the verge of, of never coaching again and, and just being burnt out. So there was an opportunity to stay in the department and really enjoyed uh, the people there at the time. And, and um, the first group that I recruited was going to be seniors and, and I would have liked to probably stay for another year, but timing doesn't always allow you to do it exactly how you want. So it actually worked out perfect. I got to do that last year as an SID and assistant AD. So I got some admin experience. I got to watch that team up close, go to the Sweet 16, which I was super proud of. And then the timing of Oshkosh opening up the next year, I kind of got a, a battery recharge over that year. And the one thing I realized as an administrator was the relationships that you have with with athletes and and other coaches isn't isn't quite as strong when when you're not in there with them every day so I missed that part a lot with with that team and and knew that I wasn't done coaching yet so to have this job open up and honestly it was one of the few places that I think I would have got back into coaching at but I knew you could be successful here and I knew you had a chance to play play for a national championship and go to a final four and and regardless of what level you're at to me that was always the priority from a competitive standpoint um who was the head coach when you were the assistant there uh Jenny Kennessy um, okay that name yeah. sounds familiar yeah okay. she played at Louisville and and she was she was the coach that taught me you could be tough on players and they would still love you and respect you okay. so she taught me a lot about pushing people and and getting getting kids you know to to maximize their potential so um I would not our program and I would not be what we are without the five years I had with Jenny um, I th didn't they just do at Parkside kind of the dedication for one? Uh, is it yeah, the practice? it's the practice yeah. gym, right? Yeah. She got the practice floor named after her, which is pretty apt because I think that she was at her best in practice. And we just had two players from that era inducted into the Hall of Fame this past weekend. And so um, just a ton of success over that period. And I owe those guys a lot. Obviously, if we don't if we don't have that kind of success, Oshkosh isn't looking at my resume thinking that I'm someone that can turn things around for them either. So um, that five years, you know, changed my life. 
Um, did you know Luke, um, the guys coach over there? Yeah, Luke. There? Yeah, Luke is Luke is great. They were actually here in Oshkosh this weekend. They scrimmaged our men's team, so I got to catch up with him. We're both Pittsburgh Penguins hockey fans, so. Uh, every year when the playoffs rolls around, uh, we haven't talked for about 11 months and then the techs will fly for about two weeks straight or a month, depending on how long the Penguins are in it. But yeah, Luke is great and and has been very successful, you know, even since I left. So um, a lot of great relationships that came out of that. Um, did you get to see kind of some of the upgrades that Parkside has done in the last year? I've seen no, the no. arena. Yeah, it's pretty interesting with kind of the they have a little thing in the kind of behind one of the baskets that people can sit in and um obviously they did did stuff across the board so I don't know if you've seen yeah no I some of the things I haven't been there since and and you know Andrew Gavin their AD has done a tremendous job of of just reshaping everything that they're doing there so I see all the pictures and and obviously still follow how they're doing and and hopefully they can put up a couple banners it's been a while um since women's basketball has been back to the NCAA tournament but so I see all their pictures and and all the stuff that's come with that push. And yeah, I'd, I'd love to see it because when we were there, it was kind of known as kind of a prison gym. Like it was dark. It was just the cinder block. So um, to see some of those pictures, even from this weekend, the Hall of Fame, it's it's completely different than than when we were there. Um, any like Dave Marin stories from like, <laughs> dealing with him in the Kenosha News or? Yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, when I was SID, it was it was literally kind of the time when social media became what it what it has become you know I, I think when Steve Cradiville was in the job before me it was still kind of the traditional like fax stuff out and and email box scores and things and then you know I when I started it was now you've got to do video and 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 social media and put your focus in there so like Dave and and the editors of the paper and it was kind of the right when newspapers started getting bought out and reduced space and all those things so you know I Dave and and all those guys were great with us and we were right in between Kenosha Racine so the Journal Times too so it was you know that was a that was a cool experience for me to get back on the other side and and kind of get to know a lot of the people behind the scenes that that were responsible for promoting and and you know getting our brand out in that area. Okay so you talked about Parkside and obviously Oshkosh um when you took a job at Oshkosh, what similarities and differences did you see from the Division Two level to the Division Three level? But even though with the WEAC, it's kind of like, well, the WEAC is a is a Division Two conference at the Division Three level, so there's probably yeah. more similarities to um, than differences. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, there's the the biggest similarities are that there's just not a huge gap between levels you know obviously like when we play someone like green bay at division one the size gap and and the athleticism and the strength and you know they've got players that can red shirt so like that gap starts to grow a little bit um but when you're talking d2 to d3 like the best division two teams in the country are pretty close to division one or would be plenty of division ones and we you know we kind of look at at it the same, you know, when we're in the top 25 in division three, like, you know, we, we think we'd compete pretty well at a lot of, a lot of D2 conferences, you know, we, we probably don't win a D2 conference. Obviously they've got 10 full scholarships, so they've got, you know, more at their disposal, but um, we feel like we could compete with teams at that level. So from a basketball standpoint, honestly, not a ton different. Everyone always says, well, why would like, why wouldn't you want to go division two where you have scholarships? And, and the reality is like the schools we recruit against, 
don't have scholarships either. So like, we're just trying to get the best players that are interested in, in the fits that we have at our level. So I think from a basketball standpoint and even recruiting standpoint, there's not a huge difference. I think the biggest differences come in life and life balance. And, um, you know, for me, when I was at Parkside, uh, once we got into conference play, we'd spend every other Wednesday to Sunday on the road. We'd leave Wednesday morning for a Thursday game that was anywhere between five and nine hours away. And then we'd play that game Thursday night. We'd stay overnight Thursday in whatever city that was. And then Friday morning, we'd get up and drive another three or four hours. We'd play on Saturday and we wouldn't be home again until Sunday. And at our level, you know, we're leaving at Wednesday at two o'clock and coming back at, you know, 1030 at night, 11 at night. So um, so we sleep in our own beds a lot more. The, the girls miss a lot less class. Um, and I just I think there's a lot of benefits to the life balance that comes with our level and, and being able to kind of. Um, control your schedule a little bit more and and they don't have us in the gym with them all fall and spring so they get a little break from us and honestly I think from a burnout standpoint and a retention standpoint um, that's a big help too so I've enjoyed coming back to this level I was at lacrosse before Parkside so I knew what this level was like and and you know the first year or two it was fun to travel and you know, stay in hotels. And then after, after a year, you're kind of like, okay, I'd rather not be living out of a, a suitcase every other week. So I think that part has been the best for life. And I think a lot of our girls, especially those that transfer down from, from a scholarship level, I, I think they appreciate, you know, that change as well. All right. So we're going to move on to with the Wisconsin glow. I know that you're heavily involved in that. Um, are you still the GM there? No, I, you know, oh. I think, yeah, one of the things that came out of the pandemic was, um, you know, I needed, I needed to take a step back from doing too much of a lot of stuff. So no, so I, I did the first two years and then this last year, I kind of stepped back and became a fan and um, I, I'll probably stay like that for the foreseeable future. Um, it was fun to get going and I'm glad like they got things rolling. So uh, we've got such a young team and I knew we were going to that I, I didn't want to divert any attention, you know, from what I need to do with my team. So, um, but I, I loved, I loved what the glow were about and, and still obviously watch and follow. Um, so I was going to go past dance with this then. Yeah. Now, um, how did kind of both, being an assistant SID at Parkside and being the Oshkosh coach help with that role? Yeah, I mean, when it, when it first started, I think the combination of, I've just been around for a while now. You know, I've been coaching since I was 20. So I've been in the state and that just coaching in the state, you just you just run into people. You get to know other coaches. You've, you've recruited you know, I wasn't recruiting any of the women that played for us in the globe, but I was recruiting their teammates, their AU teammates. So I just got to know a lot of people and, you know, same with the SID role. And, and honestly, that year when I wasn't coaching and doing that SID work, I was able to, to watch more basketball and, and see at what was going on and see what Green Bay was doing in Milwaukee and Wisconsin and Marquette and, and, you know, kind of get, take a step back and be more of a fan for that year. So you know, I got a little bit of experience in everything. And, and I also, you know, when I was in college, worked two summers in the Northwoods League. So I had some minor league sports experience and, and, you know, got a little bit of behind the scenes on the marketing and, and those type of things that happen at the minor league level in small towns. So, um, you know, I've just been in, in sports for a long time. So, you know, I, I feel like I've seen it from a lot of different angles and, and so when we started that and, and Greg Pierce came to me and asked about, you know, how viable it was and, and what we could accomplish, 
I felt like I I was dangerous enough to know a little bit of everything there that at the very least, if they asked for advice, I felt qualified to give it. And I think the basketball piece kind of spoke for itself when we got out there and played. And I'm proud of the two years that we had. We obviously, we won two championships um, in those two years. We had really good coaches. Um, so I think from a basketball standpoint, which was really my, that was my main job when when I was the GM have good coaches and win basketball games and they did a great job of letting me kind of concentrate on those things and didn't tie me up too much with behind the scenes stuff and and you know I think that experience made me has made me a better coach here at Oshkosh going forward too um was it like cool to kind of have obviously be involved with two um successful basketball teams obviously your team's successful year in year out and obviously the glow has had some success as well yeah, I mean, I think you can always learn something from every season. So if if you can make more seasons work, you you add more to your utility belt and stuff that you've learned. And I learned a lot about um, things. That, there's a lot of things I want to do different if I if I were back with the glow again from a relationship standpoint with players to conversations ahead of time about you know expectations and and competitive stuff and, and you know if if it wouldn't have been so much travel, I would have liked to coach that group because I think I would have learned a ton from them about how to play the game. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the the tough part around that time was it was it was seasons over in March and we're turning the page. You know, we get eliminated on a Saturday by Monday morning. I was all in on on doing glow stuff, you know, in my off time. So six to eight a.m. and you know five to ten p.m. trying to get the glow stuff ready. So there just wasn't a break. Um, so obviously when, when you win the championship, at least it makes you feel like that was time well spent. So, um, I just, for after year two, it was, there was kind of a point where I'm not sure what more I personally can do. And I think it's a good experience for someone else to have the opportunity, but, um, but yeah, I mean, obviously it's, it's nice if you're going to put all the time in on both ends that your teams can be successful. And, you know, I like to think that, um, I have something to do with that. I, I definitely don't have don't have all of the, the credit for any of these things that have happened. Um, but it's, it's good to have your name associated with success. And, uh, you know, I'm proud of both, both programs and, and both of our accomplishments and, and for the city of Oshkosh too, because this is a basketball town and um, there's a lot of people here that care about basketball. So it's, it's been cool to be kind of part of that footprint. Um, we talk about the city of Oshkosh and obviously the college um tying kind of to both kind of both kind of things together kind of um what are the benefits for obviously UW Oshkosh the city Oshkosh like those two things as a whole to have both the herd the, and the glow in the Oshkosh area and then how does that kind of give students opportunities with both of those two teams yeah I mean I, it's just there's always basketball here you know it's kind of doesn't matter what time of year I guess the early this early spring is would be a dead time but you know the herd, i think the herd opened tomorrow night so they're only going to be playing until march and they got chris middleton for right now yeah yeah yep. the men's program and us are going to host a tournament at the arena so that arena was a, a great addition basketball wise obviously you know open up both of those opportunities um and you know we've got great high school basketball too so um to have two pro teams here it gives you know, players like ourselves, we just had a player sign overseas. So, you know, it's not just because we're division three doesn't mean that's unattainable. And, 
And so it just it keeps basketball in everyone's mind. We got really good high school programs, boys and girls in town. We've got two really successful college teams with our men, you know, being the national champions, not even five years ago. So, um, and then the herd in the pandemic year had the best record in the G League. The Globe won two championships. So there's just been a lot of good basketball in town. And I think, especially for little kids growing up, whether they come to our camps, go to herd camps, or are just come in the seats to watch, it just continues to breed more good basketball players and more interest in basketball. And if you're a basketball coach and you're in a town where there's that much basketball going on, obviously that that adds to the kind of the feel of, of what you're doing with your program, but also how, how basketball is perceived in town. All right, so now we're going to kind of transition to um, UW Oshkosh basketball. Um, loaded question here, I guess, kind of a start. Favorite game you've ever coached at UW Oshkosh? Ooh, um, my second year, uh, we played Wash U um, in, this, in the round of 32. Um, so it was the first year we had been um, in the NCAA tournament, obviously in my time, but um, I think since like 2013 or 14 at that point. So there's a big gap. Um, and that first first run that we made that year um people cared a lot and it was it was such a long time coming and they got super into it washi was fifth in the country we had a team that had six freshmen out of the 12 that were suited up that weekend and we just had one of those magical nights they were washi was number five they smoked someone the first night we were hosting because Washu's men were hosting. So, you know, we wouldn't have been in line to host if not for kind of how the tournament laid out. So we kind of had the perfect storm and that was a Washu team that was probably good enough to make a run at a national championship. And, and we beat them. We hit a bunch of threes, um, had a big lead, had to hold on late. So that was kind of the first game where I felt like, okay, we have, we have the chance over the course of time here to to be a national contender and I thought we were a little early to the party that year um, but I'm super proud how fast we kind of were able to turn things around and once once we got and won that game I think from that point on we felt like we're a team that should expect to win every time we go on the floor and so I'll never forget that one okay um, your team and obviously UW Whitewater the last decade it seems like you guys have been battling neck and neck for either the conference regular season title or the conference tournament title, um, Whitewater and Oshkosh as a whole, um, and it's probably the best rivalry in the WEAC. I mean, multiple sports, you look at it with yeah. football, you know, men's basketball, a little bit soccer, yeah, women's volleyball, you can throw in there as well. So yeah. um, how competitive is recruiting um, between both your program and obviously Carrie's program in women's basketball, do you guys always feel like you guys are battling for the the best uh, women's basket or girls basketball players in the state? Or um, what's yeah, that I mean, I, yeah, I think you know we play very different. So sometimes you know I think we see we see fits different, and but at the same time, good basketball players can typically play in any system. So there's certain years where we'll come across each other on everybody, you know, everybody that we're recruiting has visited there or vice versa. There's some years where, you know, we'll finish a class and, you know, none of them have visited or, you know, they, they get, have the group they have and, you know, they're not people we, we did. So um, I think typically, you know, if, if you look at the last 10 years of records and finishes, um, if, if you're a girls basketball player in Wisconsin, you're, and, and you're good, 
um, our programs are probably coming to your peripheral. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think we also both recruit against division twos. So, you know, that's a, that's an element that because we don't have many in Wisconsin where we've got Minnesota schools, Illinois, the UP, we've got those division two schools, um, coming into the state and, and so, yeah, we come across each other a lot, but like you said, that kind of happens in every sport. And, you know, we've traded the championship here for the last five or six years, I think every other year. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think there's some separation in, in over the course of the last 10 years and in, you know, the best records, the best NCAA results and stuff. So, um, so yeah, so they got us last year and, and, um, and, you know, we're hoping that we, we've got a young group, but we're hoping that we get back in the conversation here sooner rather than later. Um, is there not much in terms of having the, obviously, is it a benefit that maybe not as much that you guys have to deal with kind of competing with maybe division one recruits or obviously do you, or do you have to do more of that with transfers? Yeah. I mean, I think it's just, it, it's such a unique landscape now because I think people are redefining since the pandemic what's important to them i think we've seen a lot more people that are that are taking us seriously or taking our level seriously because maybe they don't want to go as far from home or the cost of travel when they do go far from home for their parents to come see and play i think we learned a little bit about our support systems over the pandemic during lockdown and how important that was so i think that that's changed i think the portal has changed um, when people have the ability to find out after year one that either the decision didn't make them happy or they thought, you know, chasing a scholarship was the ultimate goal. And then they got to a place and, and didn't feel that um, and didn't and realized that they weren't focused on the right thing. So I just think there's a lot of factors right now that make recruiting unique and make you kind of have to keep your eyes open to a, maybe a bigger scope than we did. I think it was easier five years ago to kind of narrow down the group that you probably were going to have the ability to recruit. And I think between having success and, and getting a little more attention to just how people are looking at what college, what they want college to be like and their basketball experience to be like, I think it's changed a little bit and maybe, um, maybe widen the net a little bit for the types of players that you can get and, and, you know, how people are happy and that, you know, in 2017, 18, that range, I think people were chasing any scholarship they could get. And obviously money is still important, but I think people have kind of redefined them, what their priorities are. And that's changed a little bit about for every level of, of who people can get. I know there's a lot of girls that are good enough to go division one that are going division two for, for life reasons too. So I think that's, that's been a change in our sport and and I think it's made all levels better, honestly. Okay. Um, obviously from an Oshkosh standpoint, how important is it for you to recruit the the Fox Valley highly in this conference? Obviously, um, I know you had a player from New London um that was a senior last year. Yeah. Um, and then is there is that an advantage that obviously maybe that's an area where Whitewater doesn't really recruit much? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously there's there's we all have geographic advantages i think to where we're at obviously you know the schools on the west side of the state can be more active in minnesota which is a big pool up in the twin cities you know lacrosse eau claire stout river falls like we it's hard for us to go in the twin cities and ask someone to be five hours from home um when when there's places closer you know we've had minnesota players and you know and then the schools to the south platteville whitewater um, obviously closer to Illinois, Iowa. So, you know, that's, again, that's, 
you know, we're asking a little bit further drive. So, yeah, I mean, I think we've concentrated a lot on Green Bay. Um, but the nice part about Oshkosh is you can kind of get anywhere in the state in an hour and a half or less, you know, especially the the bigger metro areas. So we can you can get to Green Bay in 45 minutes and we can get to Madison an hour and a half. We can get to Milwaukee in an hour and 20. So um, so we're able to recruit from the bigger areas. And then, you know, even when we go past those, it's kind of a straight interstate. You know, we've got a girl from Mineral Point this year, Janesville. You know, they jump on the interstate and then two hours-ish, a little over, they, they're here. So um, I think as an access um, place, we've we've got the ability to get on the road and, and people don't have to go far from home. And we try to keep our radius within three hours. We want our girls to be able to get home on holidays and and be able to see their families and their families come see them play and not have to take days off of work to come watch them play on a Wednesday night. So, um, so yeah, so the Valley and Green Bay have been super important to our success. And, and, you know, a lot of times girls that hadn't seen campus before didn't realize, you know, that they had this so close in their backyard. So um, we've been able to, to do a good job of finding really good fits um, that are easy to get here and, and able to have their families be part of the experience. All right, on the this this year's team, last year your team made it to the elite lead eight game before losing the Whitewater. Um, you lose some good players from last year's team, Leo Porath, Nikki Arneson. Yeah. Um, I, I got I'm gonna throw this question out there because I'm I'm pretty sure you had a Staples on the on the playing roster last year. Yeah. Um, is it weird to not have a a, a Staples on the playing roster this year? Yes. Yes. This is that was eight years in a row. <laughs> so so yeah, it's weird. Now Madeline is is coaching with me, so I still have one here um, and still have her here. But yeah, eight years running, so um, it's been you know, eight of my ten season. There was there was one of the sisters, so yeah, it's a little bit weird. <laughs> okay, um, so obviously with kind of what you guys lost from last year, what what's kind of the expectations this year, and uh, what were some of the positive things that you saw out of the the exhibition game last week against Green Bay? Yeah, we're just, we're really young and really new. So, you know, the players that we have back haven't played a ton, had a ton of experience. And so that would be what Kennedy, yeah, Kennedy Osterman, Osterman and Jenna yeah. Jorgensen. Yep. Jenna Jorgensen, Ava Douglas, like those three played, you know, significant roles in the NCAA tournament um, last year. And, you know, I kind of feel like until you play in a, in a conference tournament, NCAA tournament game, your experience levels kind of low. So, you know, we've talked a ton about what we can do before we get experienced to try to, to try to figure out how to win games. And so we're working a lot on just teaching the new people, the level of expectation on a daily basis, how hard you have to play, how locked in you have to be, um, how close you have to pay attention, how well you have to listen. And it sounds super elementary, but um, we feel like we can lay a really good foundation. So when we do gain some experience, we can be a tough team to beat. And, you know, my, I guess my expectation is that when we get to January and February, we become a team that other people don't want to play. And I think earlier in the year, we might be a team that people are excited to play because they look at last year's stats and go, well, none of these players are back that we have to worry about. So they must not be as good. And I think um, we may not have, the you know an all-american and a and an all-region player like we did last year but i feel like we have a lot of really good basketball players and if we have 
you know, if we have 10 or 12 or 13 players that can play each night and contribute and be solid, I think we're going to be a, a team that gives people problems. So that's kind of been our, our focus. And, you know, in 2019, um, we had a team that no one averaged 10 points a game and we went 26 and four. And I think this is the type of team that might look like that, where we end the season with, you know, nine people at average between nine points and four points. And, you know, we've proven you can win that way. So um, we're just trying to get the habits right. I thought at Green Bay for a bunch of girls that hadn't, whether it started a game, played a college game yet, I thought we showed well. Obviously, their size and their experience was a, a handful for us. We could not guard them in the post with with their body size from across the board, not just their post players. So, um, but offensively, we got good shots and and we got open looks and, and, you know, we shot okay. We didn't shoot great and still scored in the fifties. So uh, we took a, a ton away from that. We were nine practices in. So there's a lot of stuff we hadn't even talked about yet. Thank God they didn't zone or, or, or trap in their press. Cause that was stuff we definitely hadn't worked on. So, um, so now we feel a little bit better, you know, a week and a half ish later uh, we've added more stuff and, you know, now we're a week away from game time. So we've got a tough schedule here in the season that is going to test us and at times it might look ugly, but um, I think in the long run, we're going to be, we'll be just fine. Um, who are some players that um, whether they're new or coming back that you expect a lot out of this year? Yeah. I mean, we have a, we have a junior group that um, has been, you know, they haven't had a normal year really yet. You know, last year we had COVID kind of knock us out for a stretch. So, um, so that group with Kennedy, um, you know, when they were freshmen, they went through a nine game, eight game conference season, whatever it was. But, you know, I think Casey Bale um, has showed, you know, through the first couple of weeks that she's added a lot to her game. I think Allison Forney, who came off the bench and played a few minutes in the NSA tournament. Um, I think she's, you know, shown some growth. And, you know, Jaden Kalinske as a sophomore is coming a year off of an ACL. So I think, you know, that those sophomore and junior groups now, um, their growth was stumped a little bit by by a senior class that stayed for a fifth year. So I'm just excited for their opportunities. And I think our freshmen, um, as they learn more, uh, we've got a really deep group. Um, Sarah Hardwick started at Green Bay and I thought played really well. Um, Kate Hummel. Um, Mallory Lindsay, those guys played um, and played early in that in that exhibition. Uh, Mara Weeman is out with an injury, but when she comes back, I think she's going to be ready. Um, we've got a couple other injuries in that group, but um, you know, I think that group once they just start to learn what this is about is going to be is going to be just fine. And and then Bridget Frailke is a transfer. Um, hit a couple shots right away at Green Bay. And I think her confidence is growing as she gets to know us and our team better. So we just have a lot of people. And it's it's nice when we show up to practice and just have a bunch of people that can play. And now that they're getting more comfortable together, I just think as the season goes on, um, that comfort level is just going to make us obviously a better team, but um, a team that is, is a little bit hard to scout because there's going to be a little bit of everything on every given night, I think. Um, how does FC last year's finish help for this year? Is there still kind of motivation after what happened last year, even though kind of there's a roster turnover? Yeah, I don't know. I think obviously for our program, I think it's getting the elite eight, especially with injuries and COVID and all the things that happened last year. I think it was important for our program to get past the sweet 16 because we had kind of got stuck at that spot um, three or four times previously. Um, um, you know, for as far as this team, though, I just think it's 
it's hard, you know, we're ranked in two polls in the preseason. And I don't think there's a lot about our team right now that makes us a top 25 team other than Oshkosh is typically ranked. So um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I think, I think from a program standpoint, I think the girls have confidence that we have a plan at all times and that we have, you know, ways that we can fix things when, when things aren't going well and, and that we're going to be better at the end of the season. That's something we've proven year after year. And, you know, there was a stretch last year, you know, when we got shut down with COVID and try to come back from that, where it didn't look like we were going to be in the NCAA tournament and then to get to the elite eight um, and do it all on the road. You know, we had to play two road games in the NCAA, two road games in the NCAA tournament. So, um, you know, I think from a confidence standpoint that whether it's the new people or our returners, you know, they know that this program figures things out. So I think that there's a lot of power in that. And, and regardless of our record this year, I just think if we get better, um, by the end of the year, we're going to be a tough out. And I think going, then going into next year, we've, we've set the stage for, you know, what's to come. Um, out of the conference race this year, what do you think the conference will look like this year? Obviously, Whitewater returns a bulk of their roster outside of Joanna Taylor and Rebecca Schumacher. Yeah. Um, Eau Claire seems to always be in the mix. Um, your team's always in the mix. Where do you feel like your team sits right now? Kind of, or obviously, you guys are predicted to finish fourth in the yeah. the conference poll. Yeah, so. I mean, I think I'm a big believer in experience, and I don't. I just don't think. I think we've been successful because we've always had the next group ready to go. And I think so from Whitewater and Eau Claire's perspective, they just, they have a ton back and they, they've proven they can win. And I honestly think Eau Claire last year, if their, if their best player doesn't get hurt in the conference championship game, um, I, they have a chance to beat Hope in the sweet 16 and never got that opportunity. So, you know, I actually think we had three of the best eight or six or top five teams in the country last year. And and so for those two to bring everything back, Eau Claire's got a ton of transfers. They're, they're old. They've got a lot of seniors in that group. So I think them and them and Whitewater should be, you know, considered the favorites this year. Um, Stout will be very good too. Um, they've got a ton back from last year. They were young last year. Um, and the schedule is all weird because of cancellations, but um, you know, they, they bring a ton back. Um, and just the league, the league has gotten better. We don't have bad teams. You know, there was a stretch early in my career where one or two teams just weren't very good. And now, you know, we've River Falls, Platteville, Stevens Point, like everybody is, is capable of beating people every night. So um, I just think that the experience of those top two teams that were predicted one, two, um, it, it just creates a gap. You know, Whitewater's kids that are back obviously played in the national championship game. So there's a confidence that comes with that, that they expect obviously to win every time they go out. I think Eau Claire should feel the same way with what they have back. And then, you know, we're in that spot where we're, we're the exact opposite of that. And I think long-term, um, you know, we look, we look at it pretty positively in the short term. Um, they're going to learn a lot. Our group is going to learn a lot this year about what a strong, experienced, confident team looks like. And I hope to become that. But I think those two especially start the year having that swagger, I would guess. All right. Before I get to my last couple of questions, um, I didn't ask this at the beginning. Obviously, um, maybe what's one thing or a couple of things that you, maybe you miss about um, being in the Kenosha area? 
<laughs> um, access to the Brewers and the Bucks was really nice. <laughs> and we're not that much farther here, but man, that one that one year I went to 50 ish Brewer games. It was like 41 and 11 in games I went to. Um, so that was kind of cool that practice could get over at 530 and I could jump in the car and hit a Brewer game in the offseason. Um, I'd be all over the Bucks right now if I was down there. Um, obviously, Chicago's access was nice. Um, so I was all over the place. Now I was younger. Um, I was single now that I'm married and settled in with a bunch of animals and in our zoo at home. I don't know that I'd be jumping in the car as much to kind of do that stuff, but, um, it was nice kind of being in that corridor where you could get to concerts and stuff like that within 45 minutes and, you know, kind of do stuff last minute. Like were there, were there any, like, um, I know Kenosha is kind of a, a big, like Italian restaurant type of thing. Obviously Frank's diner is pretty well known. Down yeah. There. I love, yeah. Love Frank's diner. And, and I keep telling my wife that I've got to take her down there. Cause it's just different. We watch diners, drive-ins and dives all the time. And Frank's was on one of the first episodes of that. Yep. And so I've shown her that before. Um, so that was, that was my favorite place to go. And you had to pick the right time. Weekdays were great. Saturdays was a disaster. You had to plan on standing in line for a long time. Um, Italian, I can't, I, I can't eat red sauce. So that kind of ruined my experience for all the good Italian restaurants. Cause my boss, my boss's family was Italian, Jenny. So like her family would have huge Italian dinners on Sundays and I didn't, I couldn't enjoy it because red sauce was like death heartburn for me. So, um, so that knocked out a lot of pizza and stuff like that. So, um, but I enjoyed my time there. I lived in Pleasant Prairie at the end and, um, you know, played slow pitch softball and did a lot of the stuff that, you know, you do in your late twenties and early thirties. And, um, you know, my best friend was down there with me. So, um, it was, a it was a really fun time of, of my life. All right. Um, I'm going to ask this question. This is another loaded question. Um, who would be on your all-time women's basketball team from your tenure at EW Oshkosh? Uh, shout out Emma Melitic on this too. I, I know her <laughs> played for you. So um, who would be kind of your all-time women's oh, man. team? You know, we we put a lot of value in in the little things. So if like, I had to build an actual team, I would spend a lot more time thinking about it because I think there's a lot of intangibles that a lot of our players have, like, my assistant Madeline never started a game in four years, but like if I'm building a 10 person team, she's on it because she's going to kind of be a, a Swiss army knife of whatever you need in the time. Like her first two years, she'd tell you, you know, I might not have put her on it, but by the time she was done, but I mean, we've had four multiple all Americans. So Taylor Schmidt um, was an all American for me. She was my first recruiting class. She got us the sweet 16 twice as our leader. Leah Polrath, obviously last year, um, was an All-American, three-time All-American. Um, Eliza Campbell was an All-American in 2018. So that fills the one, three, and four spots. Um, Nikki Arneson play the five probably, but we've had multiple all-conference players. Um, so I need a shooter. Um, I mean, Emma and Jenna, I've got, you know, we've got a ton of shooters. Morgan Cocta from that, from that time. Um, you know, we've got really good point guards. Liv Campbell would probably be my fifth because she's our best defender we've ever had. Um, so if, if she played the two, I guess it would be Taylor, Liv, um, Leah, Eliza, and Nikki probably. But 
um, we'd have the nice part is we've had we would have 10 more first team all conference players to choose from for the rest of that group. So um, I've been super lucky and and that question got me worked up because we have a reunion coming this weekend that for my first 10 years, all of those players are coming back for a reunion and um, just having to think about that and the players I'm leaving out, Chloe Pristina and Melanie Schneider, like all these first team all conference players in one of the best leagues in the country. Like I can't believe, I, I, just, I can't believe the, the list that I would have to pick from to try to do that. Okay. Um, I guess best thing about coaching at Oshkosh and what's like, obviously it's gotta be really cool right now. So you got uh, coach Lewis with the men's program, um, Pete Jennings with the guys program. Obviously, you know, the years that Pat Cerrone had with the football program were awesome as well. Um, just kind of best thing about coaching at Oshkosh. Yeah. I mean, I think you led me to the answer. I think the people that I get to coach with here, I think there's a respect for women's basketball here that doesn't exist everywhere nor everywhere that I've been to have a men's coach that supports the women's program um, at the level that Matt does. I don't think there's a men's coach in the country that's more supportive of his women's program. Um, and we just have a culture of winning here. Uh, the coaches are super close. Uh, you know, Kevin, baseball coach, Kevin Kamasevich, and Scott Byer, our softball coach, John Elman, our volleyball coach. Um, you know, I've only known Peter for a couple of months. Peter's been great to work with. And, you know, he stops in the office. And again, great respect and support. He got the job. And, and I don't even know if he had barely been announced yet, but he was, you know, at the games in the Sweet 16 Elite Eight last year watching. And and so we've we've got a, a little community here in our building that pulls for each other, that that kind of pushes each other to to do things at a high level. If if everyone else is winning around you, you can't you don't want to drop the rope on that. So I think that's that's a huge a huge piece of what makes this place special. And, and, you know, again, I think we have the ability to recruit players that can help us win a national championship and the, all the time we invest. Um, if, if you have a chance to win the whole thing and, and be in that conversation, it makes the time spent pretty special. So um, they've given me an opportunity here. You know, that was one thing at Parkside. I didn't feel like we were at our best. We had a chance to win a national title. I think there was separation and support and scholarships and things like that. Whereas here we have the support and the facilities and the things that you need, the location that you need to have a chance to go to the final four. And I think that that's a huge part for me of, of why this place is what it is and why I'm here for year 11 and, and not looking to, to go anywhere else. Um, obviously how, how different is it that, um, obviously you have two coaches in that coaching department that have some sort of connection to Whitewater. Obviously with Thomas Chavitz, he was on Vo's, uh, 2005 national championship team. And then obviously Jennings just came from Whitewater. Yeah. I mean, I think whether, regardless of where you come from, if you come from a place that's had success, there's stuff that you can take away and learn. So, like I said, I've Peter and I have had lunch a couple of times, and I don't know that we've dug in as much of of philosophies and coaching. I know we've talked recruiting in the first meeting, first lunch that we had. Um, but when you've been surrounded, there's just different ways to to be successful, and you know whether it's ways that you practice or ways that you recruit or ways that you talk to kids, you know, motivate your team. Um, I, I just want to be surrounded by people that have been part of success and coach Lewis obviously brings that 
and it, it kind of doesn't matter where you come from. So that's where for me, when I when we have you know job openings here in, in our campus and we're part of search committees, like it is important for me to try to find someone if possible or suggest someone from, if possible from a place that's been successful. I think you've you've been expected to do things at a higher level than places that have been mediocre or or worse. And obviously there's great coaches and great people at programs that are that are not winning championships. So that's not to say that's that's you know impossible, but I, I love hearing from people that have been part of teams that have made it tournament runs. Like for me, it's all about the end of the season and and can you make a run the NCAA tournament, the conference tournament? And I just think you got to do things a little different that time of year. So to hear from people that have been part of that and what that was like. And obviously Kevin was the MVP of a World Series. So regardless of where he went to school there's that's a pretty short list of of people who have won a division three world series mvp so um those are the people that you want to pick their brains and and see how they operate and and take away the things that fit your personality so in that in that respect i'm super blessed too that i'm surrounded by success like that obviously with the success that you have here's the last question um how proud are you of the success that you guys have had um with your program um in your tenure I mean, I can't imagine thinking back to 2012 when I got the job that this is how the first 10 years would go. And, you know, when the year that I got hired, I think they went seven and 19 um, that that season didn't make the conference tournament. So for me, coming from Parkside, where we had been in the Sweet 16, my last year coaching, um, there was, that was a huge gap from, you know, seven and 19 to potentially going to sweet 16. So, you know, without thinking a whole lot long-term, you know, I probably would have sat back and gone, man, if, if in seven years, eight years, 10 years, we could get to an NCAA tournament and be a, you know, a program that's part of a national conversation, that would be awesome. And I, I thought it would probably take five or six. I'm like, well, my first recruiting class, by the time they're juniors, you know, that's year four, um, you know, maybe we're, maybe we're competing for the conference championship. So to win the conference tournament in year two, um, go to a sweet 16 in year two. And then, you know, now in 10 years, we've got nine trophies and seven NCAA tournaments. I, I, I would have probably said you would had to sell your soul to get that in, in the first 10 years. So I couldn't be prouder. It's why we're having the reunion. Cause I want to thank that the last 10 years of people for trusting me and, and the first groups had to go off of kind of blind faith. Like I hadn't proven anything yet when I was recruiting them. So, um, so they believed in me and us and what we were trying to do. So I couldn't be prouder of that. Um, hopefully I'll live long enough to enjoy it and look back on it. And right now, when you're in the middle of it, you're kind of just moving on to the next season and the next thing. So my stress level is at an all time high, trying to figure out how to, how to, you know, coach this team, but yeah, super proud and excited to see what the next 10 and longer years bring. All right. Thanks coach John for being on. Um, good luck this season. We'll see if I get out 10 year games. I haven't been to your um, home arena yet. So that'll probably been be whenever the guys team or the girls team plays whitewater. Um, but uh, thanks for joining me. Um, have a good, good season. And um, if you, obviously I covered Kimberly Kakana, a little shoot in Ricetown. So if you ever need any um, lowdowns on any players that over there, um, let, I'll, I'll let you know. Sounds good. Right. You're always welcome here. Thank you. All right. Yep.
Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Podcasts on D-Shot. Feel free to give any of the other episodes a listen, as a lot of them have some great, exciting content, as well as some great interviews. Don't forget to give my Facebook page a like, Daniel Shotler Journalist, as well as give me a follow on Twitter or Instagram at DShot1992. Don't forget to subscribe if you're on Google Podcasts or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you can find this. And hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening and have a good day.